Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, check the calendar. That's right. It's Tuesday with Modica. Matt Modica joining us here. Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, Al. Uh, it's pretty hot in the city today. Uh, hope all is good by you. All right. Uh, I don't know if y'all could hear Matt. Uh, I cannot. Um, so, uh, Matt, I hope you're still there. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get a connection where or, uh, I could hear you, and, and hopefully, everybody could hear you. Um, but uh, while we're waiting for for Matt to get back, I'll fill you in on. Uh, what we're going to do today on this show, uh, of course, we're going to talk about Robinson Cano. That is the big, big news today, uh, suspended for 80 games. And uh, it's a little bit of a tricky suspension because he tested positive for a diuretic. Uh, but you can't be suspended just for uh, a positive test of diuretic. So from what I have been reading, uh, it sounds like there's also some sort of evidence that he was using it to uh, to mask the use of a uh, PED. Uh, however, uh, however you, you want to slice and dice that up, it's an 80-game suspension to be served uh, starting immediately for Cano. In his hand, those are the big question, of course, that everybody has. Uh, will those be served concurrently? Yes, they'll be served concurrently. So I would imagine that if it were just the DL issue, that uh, we would be seeing Robinson Cano back uh, before 80 games. So as it is, uh, we will not see him again with the Mariners until the middle of August. He also will be ineligible in the postseason. So uh, that's uh, pretty much where that stands. And of course, the uh, Mariners yesterday called up Gordon Beckham. He seems to be the, the replacement at second base, although maybe we'll also see some Andrew Romine as well uh and maybe we'll see them go out and get somebody uh, i've not you know seen anything to that uh effect and of course i mean this has only been news for maybe about an hour or so maybe a couple of hours at most uh but certainly one of the first things that popped into my head when i saw this news was uh the discussion that i had on the show yesterday with cd trent rosecrans and we talked about the reds being sellers and uh, Scooter Jeanette possibly being somebody that the Reds would be interested in trading. So there would be a, a, a nice match there. Uh, not sure necessarily what the Reds would be looking for coming the other way. But again, that's just speculation in my own head. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of. And of course, top of mind because I just had Trent on the show yesterday. Uh, other big news, AJ Pollock. Uh, he had to leave yesterday's game early uh, with what has now been diagnosed as a left thumb sprain, according to ArizonaCentral.com, and he is scheduled to see a hand specialist today. A few other DL moves, Keenan Middleton, uh, we pretty much saw this one coming, uh, but now we know that he has some damage to his UCL. That, of course, is pretty bad news for Keenan Middleton. Uh, and according to MLB.com, he is going for a second opinion. But obviously, once you hear about UCL damage, you're wondering if there's Tommy John surgery in Keenan Middleton's future. Of course, we don't know anything that's getting way ahead of ourselves. But I'd say even the best case scenario is probably not a very good one uh, for Keenan Middleton. Uh, yesterday, Angels did have a save situation. And uh, this was against the Astros and a great pitcher's duel with uh, Andrew Heaney and uh, Lance McCullers. And Heaney went eight deep into that game, but they did need Justin Anderson to come in and finally, finally get a save. 
Uh, so he's been given a couple opportunities. I believe this was the first one, though, for, for Anderson. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to be a trend for the Angels or if they're going to go committee. Jim Johnson has uh, had some uh, save opportunities slash uh, closer-like usage patterns. Of course, Camp Adrosian, part of that mix, could very easily go uh, to a committee. But I have not uh, read about or heard about any sort of Indication for Mike Sosha, which way he's going to go with that. Joey Lucchese, who uh, pitched last night uh, against the Rockies and, and not uh, one of his better starts. And now we have a very probable explanation. He's been placed on the disabled list with a right hip strain. So uh, the Padres will have to uh, figure out a replacement uh, for Lucchese for uh, at least one more start. Although I've not seen any timetable uh but again at least one more start uh to uh, replace joey lucchese and as far as the rockies are concerned they have put dj lemayhew on the dl with a love left thumb sprain so uh, imagine we'll uh see quite a bit more uh daniel castro at second base uh that's who uh, played last night against the padres uh maybe a little bit of pat valaika but uh, those would be, I think, the short-term replacements for LeMahieu. Uh, a little bit of a scare for Joey Votto, who had to leave the Reds game yesterday. He was uh, subsequently diagnosed with a tight back. And all initial reports are that it's not serious. He's day-to-day. He will not be in the starting lineup for the Reds today. And I am just checking to see if we do have that Reds lineup and I am not seeing it, uh, but I did see a report that uh, Joey Votto is not going to be in it. So uh, we'll check back on lineups in just a little bit here. You know, Makata has been activated. Uh, that was very much anticipated. So I imagine he will be in the White Sox lineup. I can do more than imagine. I can actually look at the White Sox lineup, which is out now. They're playing the Pirates in Pittsburgh. 7.05 Eastern start at PNC Park, and Mokata is leading off and playing second base. Uh, so, again, all of that pretty much expected. And uh, Trevor Cahill, he could be back as soon as tomorrow, which would be the first day he's eligible to come off the DL. So let's keep tabs on that one, that report from MLB.com. Also from MLB.com, Robbie Ray threw from 50 feet on Monday and uh, reportedly felt good. So uh, making some progress uh, back uh, towards activation for Robbie Ray. The uh, Yankees are calling up Clint Frazier, apparently. Uh, I Okay, there, yeah, there's no official move yet, but apparently he is going to be called up. And uh, from Joel Sherman of the New York Post, he says that uh, this probably means that the Yankees are either waiting on a potential injury update or just may want Frazier up uh, to face Gio Gonzalez uh, and have that righty versus lefty matchup. Uh, I've not seen a further update there on Clint Frazier, but sounds like he'll be with the Yankees tonight. And actually, while uh, while I'm thinking of, it, thinking of it, I can look and see if we've got a Yankees lineup. We do not. We do not not have either the Yankees or the Nationals lineup. Uh, and that game is going to feature prominently in our weather update. So uh, if you're thinking of starting Masahiro Tanaka or Gia Gonzalez or any of the players that are likely to be in those lineups, you're going to want, want to wait and hear the weather forecast because it's not very good. Irvin Santana through live batting practice for the first time, and the Twins are hoping that he will be able to go to extended spring training soon, possibly as soon as next week, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And in other Twins news, uh, Jason Castro is scheduled to have knee surgery today, and he will be out four to six weeks. That also uh, comes to us by way of the Star Tribune. Madison Bumgarner, he uh, had a 20-pitch uh, bullpen session, only through fastballs. And he is scheduled to throw again tomorrow. That's Wednesday. That, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Cardinals have activated Jack Flaherty uh, in time for his start tonight and made the official move to put Adam Wainwright on the DL. And I've not seen any further clarification about how the Cardinals rotation is going to uh, shape up this weekend. Uh, Wainwright's turn will come up. 
Um, I speculated yesterday, maybe John Gant would get that start, but haven't seen anything yet other than the fact that Wainwright has been placed on the DL, making room for Jack Flaherty. And also, you uh, Darvish will be activated. Uh, perhaps he's been already, although I have not seen the transaction. But you Darvish will be activated and is scheduled to start uh, for the Cubs tonight. And uh, I actually put out a Twitter poll on whether or not you would start you Darvish tonight. Uh, this is against the Braves. By the way, a 7:35 Eastern start at SunTrust Park. Darvish versus Fulton Nevich. And uh, I decided to bench you Darvish for tonight in the one league where I have him, and it's a daily lineup league, so I could do that for uh, for tonight, and then maybe see how he's doing for uh, uh, see how he's doing for Sunday's start. Do we have uh, Matt Modica in the house? Yes, you do, Al. I'm here. You hear me? Okay, so, so I'm not sure what happened there, but good good to have you back. Yeah, I and... heard you, I guess, on your end. You didn't hear me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. No. Uh, don't, don't know how long you were sitting there, but uh, hope yeah, you enjoyed my, my... Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I could hear you just fine now. So, uh, yeah, I put out this Twitter poll, and it was pretty evenly split. So well, before I tell you the, the exact results, uh, would you start you Darvish tonight against the Braves in Atlanta? Uh, if I was in a 12-teamer, I probably would not in a 15-team. Automat- well, he does have the two starts this week, right? If he's got a two-start Correct. Week, then I'm going to roll with him, but I'm not going to be that uh, I'm not going to be that confident, though. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, the way I phrased it in the Twitter poll was 12-team uh, mixed or shallower. My own dilemma came in a 10-team league, so that was actually not, not a really difficult choice for me. I actually picked up Jack Flaherty to fill the spot. Uh, so hopefully that goes well. I like that. But I'm glad, yeah, no, no, I'm glad you do. I was choosing between him and Pavetta. So uh, what with Jack Flaherty? But the Twitter respondents uh, went 47% yes, 53% no. So pretty even split there. But the slight majority agrees with us, Matt, that in a 12-team league or shallower, you do not want to have anything to do with you, Darvish, tonight. We'll see how that goes. And uh, let's uh, go to the weather and lineups, Matt, because uh, there's a lot of bad weather that could affect your lineup choices, uh, particularly in your neck of the woods there in the uh, northeast. Indeed. Uh, looks like, yeah, what, what are you seeing? Uh, well, I think we're getting rain uh, tomorrow and, thir- you know, the, the next two days. So if it starts tonight, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. It's not looking too good for the next few days. <laughs> well, the the kind of sort of good news is I, I think the Red Sox and Mets, uh, yeah, I'm no meteorologist. In fact, as, as you all know, if you listen to the show regularly, I yeah. get my weather data from uh, Roto-Grinders. But it looks like from their forecast that uh, the Mets and Red Sox should get their games in. There's a very high chance of rain for uh, both Red Sox A's and Mets Blue Jays. Uh, early on, but then it tapers off. So I think those games should get in if these forecasts hold. But Atlanta looks pretty bad, so maybe one more reason not to start you, Darvish, just because maybe this this game doesn't get in tonight. Uh, 61% chance at game time going up slowly uh, over the following three or four hours. And uh, the Boswash quarter looks really bad, and both the Orioles and the Nationals are supposed to host games tonight. Orioles-Phillies, 48% chance at game time, but then going up steadily thereafter. And for the Nationals, 51% chance at game time going up steadily after. So those look really iffy. Um, so maybe a, a shorter slate than... Than you're expecting. Uh, we do have Rockies Padres starting in about 24 minutes, give or take. And no Charlie Blackman in the Rockies lineup. So definitely take note of that. We got back to back Frans again, Fran Fest <laughs> for, the, for the Padres. Cordero uh, fourth, Reyes fifth, Franchi and Fran Mill. And otherwise, looks like a pretty standard lineup there for your San Diego Padres. And then uh, looking further down the schedule, got a whole bunch of uh, lineups in, Matt. So uh, as I mentioned before, Yoan Moncada starting against Trevor Miller and the Pirates. Pirates lineup is out against Ronaldo Lopez. Don't see anything there uh, to take note of. 
Uh, we have the Orioles line up again. I have some real questions about whether this one's even going to happen. Pavetta and Kashner. I guess it's good I didn't pick Pavetta tonight. And uh, looking like a pretty similar uh, lineup to what they typically put out against righties. Jace Peterson at third base, batting ninth. Pedro Alvarez in there at DH, batting eighth. We have the Marlins versus uh, Alex Wood and the Dodgers. And uh, that looks pretty standard. And we've got Mets, Braves, and Twins. And uh, just I'm going to look here real quickly. I know this doesn't make for the most fascinating radio. Well, no I do just have to fly here. But no Suspides, so I'm glad you're on top of that rather than <laughs> Andy Hem and Haw as I go through spots one and nine. So, yeah, we got uh, uh, Nemo, Ligaris, and, um, and Bruce. So no Conforto either. Yeah, I guess against the lefty, I don't get it. He should be playing every day. This team, especially with Cespedes out, uh, he needs to be in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, no, that bugs me too, definitely. Uh, So uh, that is uh, your Mets lineup. And, uh, okay, we do have his Drupal at second. Flores at first. But, again, no no Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, as I mentioned, we got the Braves against Darvish. Again, don't even know if this one's going to happen. But uh, Joey Bats at third base. Otherwise, pretty much normal lineup there. And the Twins, I, I well, fortunately, this one, there's no uh, weather issues that I'm aware of. But Cardinals, the Twins, Flaherty and, and Brios, really looking forward to seeing that one. And uh, looks like a pretty normal lineup. Only no Mitch Garver. You got Bobby Wilson catching uh, Brios and batting ninth. So that gets us up to date for the time being. And uh, maybe we could do some live look-ins at uh, Rockies Padres, which is going to start shortly. But uh, so we had to break here. We'll come back. Matt and I are going to talk about some preseason bust and sleeper picks and have those worked out. And uh, much uh, later on, we'll take a more in-depth look at that Andrew Heaney start, which was fantastic. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour, and you're listening to it on Tuesdays with Modica. So Matt Modica is here. I'm here. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, I've got some uh, clarity on Flaherty coming up. I just saw a piece during the break uh, that I will uh, share with you in a bit. We're going to talk about our uh, sleeper and bus picks from before the season. Uh, But before we do... Uh, let me just real quick uh, give you a, a little message here about mybookie.ag. If you play DFS and haven't tried playing mybookie.ag uh, player props, then you're missing out. Their player props tool allows, allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in DFS. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Go to mybookie.ag. Open up a new account and enter the promo code FNTSY, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. Often a player, say Mike Trout, for instance, will be chalk at DFS and be 80% owned in tournaments because everyone will think the play's obvious. Don't be a loser and eat DFS chalk. Be a winner and play the mybookie.ag player prop. Plus, you can access the one sport not yet touched by DFS, the sport of kings, horse racing. It's simple. First of all, go to mybookie.ag, open an account. Second, enter the promo code FNTSY and receive your 50% deposit bonus. And third, click the player props tool and choose your player prop and collect the winnings. That's mybookie.ag, enter promo code 
F-N-T-S-Y. All right, so, uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, Flaherty Clarity, I hope. Um, so just over the break, happened to see this uh, piece from Derek Gould of the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And I'll be honest, I, I couldn't read that fast during the break. It was multitasking. Uh, but I can tell you the headline, it says, Flaherty has a good chance for longer stay with Cardinals. So uh, I've not really been able to dig into this, but, uh, you know, Derek Gold's a good writer, so you should go check check this out on your own. But um, you know, the the that's a, a uh, certainly an encouraging message in that headline. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I think you know this is somebody that uh, the Cardinals will benefit from having in Wainwright. Once a warrior, you know, you, you don't want to take anything away from him in his career. But these last couple of seasons, he's not that same guy. No, no, it hasn't been for a while. And I'm trying to because I saw a piece. I would say maybe two days ago that said that he never really recovered from his Achilles injury and that that may have led to some compensation and, and be related to his, his current, current injury issues. So I mean, that, that could hurt. very well be. At his, and and he's, he's older now, too. Yeah, that too. Absolutely. Been, seems like it's been around forever, actually. <laughs> so, uh, but that would be good news because earlier in the show I was saying I'm not really sure how this is going to play out for the Cardinals, even as soon as this weekend is Flaherty going to come back and make another start, but would seem that that's going to be, uh, be the plan for him. Uh, still don't know about Saturday yet though, but that uh, we'll have uh, time enough to, uh, to figure that out. So uh, I uh, had a uh, posted a piece this morning on fan tracks, revisiting five of my bus picks. And of course this is really selective Matt, because I actually made 10 bus picks but these are the five that actually look like they're panning out. <laughs> so I cherry-picked the ones that, that look pretty good right now. So, yeah, I totally whiffed on, on A.J. Pollock. Uh, you know, of course, uh, his thumb injury notwithstanding. I mean, he's having a great season so far. Um, uh, you know, the other ones, the, the other predictions I made uh, were Yohan uh, Mankata, for example, has so far really exceeded my expectations. But... Uh, these five players really have not done as well. And four of them in particular, I think, are very clearly bust. Jose Quintana, Marcelo Zuna, Evan Gaddis, and Justin Smoke. And the fifth one I included was Paul DeYoung. And that was sort of a borderline one for me because he I mean, he's got eight home runs already. He's doing just fine. But he's not really living up to his draft position. He's being picked 10th uh, among shortstops. He's, uh, I believe, 16th in roto value. So you, you could have waited on shortstop and gotten the equivalent or better of Paul DeYoung. So for that reason, I do call him a bust. But uh, any of these players stand out for you in terms of, uh, you know, thinking that maybe there's a good buy low opportunity or they're droppable or, you know, or anything in between? Well, if you look at, let's start with Quintana. I tweeted out earlier today where he was on May 15th. Uh, 2017 last year, and where he is today, it's pretty much identical for that part. And if you look last year from June 1st on, he pitched, I think, a 340 ERA rest of the season. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think he's this bad. Maybe something mechanically, or maybe he is dealing with an injury. But I don't think he's an elite pitcher. But I thought going into the season, I had him at number 20. That's more an indictment once you reach that number in this pitching market, how thin it gets out. But uh, I'm not ready to just totally discard him for the rest of the season. Well, and, and, and you know, it's not like you were being uh, you know, some sort of huge optimist about Quintana compared to the rest of the drafting public because he was 20th and ADP among starters. So, you know, you were you were, you know, right there with everybody else. Uh, you know, I was being a downer on him, but you know that it's not like you were excessively optimistic about Quintana. But you know, you, you mentioned you know the possibility of you know maybe an injury or something. I mean, the velocity is is down uh, just a bit. Um, but the the one thing, and I mentioned this in the piece, the one area where he's really falling short above and beyond even what I expected is the walk rate very high, about one walk every other inning, and he's getting uh, chases on less than one out of every four pitches, which is extremely low. 
So yes, now that is true. Yeah. And like I said, he had the same walk rate last year, pretty much almost identical. It's like four and a half now, or and it was like yeah. four point three last year. So I'm just saying, at you know, it's a six month season for a reason. And you know, if you can get him cheap, like the owners frustrated, I don't play in the trade leagues. But if I did, and somebody just wanted to get rid of him, and I can get a you know, get him for a really good value. Uh, there could be worse things to do. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I don't think that's bad advice because uh, you know, basically, the crux of what I wrote about him was that I, I didn't really buy the strikeout rate last year. But if you just see him regressing to who he was before, well, it's not mm-hmm. like. Quintana wasn't somebody you were starting most of the time, you know, back in 2016 or 2015. I kind of expected that guy, just not a top 20 pitcher. And I think he could still get there because we're in that weird no man's land right now where we've played enough of the season that certain stats are stabilizing and you have to take trends with a little bit more seriousness. But you also have three fourths of the season ahead of you. And there's plenty of time for Quintana to bring that walk rate down, to be more deceptive outside the zone and, and, be be the guy that uh, maybe not necessarily who a lot of owners thought he would be going into this year, but at least the, the pitcher he was two years ago. That sounds fair. Yeah, so it, that that be a pitcher I'd be happy to have. Uh, what about uh, Marcelo Zuna? This is a tricky one because I've I've given some thought from trying to buy low on him, and if you go look at X stats, he should be putting up better numbers than he has, but he is he is hitting legitimately with less thump this year. The exit velocity on flies and liners is down more than two miles an hour. Uh, and that that's for a guy who doesn't hit a ton of fly balls, that's going to matter. Yeah, and I think you make a good point there when you say doesn't hit a lot of fly balls, and now he's down like 4% from last year. So that's an issue. I still think as we get the weather warming up, I mean, all this pitching has been great the first six-plus weeks, but I do believe we're going to start to see ERAs going up. Uh, Pretty much will probably be more in line with last season as far as the home runs and pitchers' ERA. I do think the power is there. It's an adjustment, a new park, a new team. I'm not the biggest Ozuna guy. never really was. I don't own him anywhere, but... Could he hit 30 home runs at the end of the year? I think that's possible. He gets on, you know, especially with these power hitters. When they get hot, they tend to do it in bunches. Yeah, that's right. And that's also uh, a good reminder for maybe John Carlos Stanton owners who are disappointed. Uh, Stanton leads the major leagues in uh, exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. So the skills uh, haven't eroded. Uh, he's just due for... Uh, I think due for a big binge, and, and maybe Ozuna is too. Yeah, uh, nothing with Ozuna. I'll, I'll say real quick. I didn't buy that average at all. I thought maybe no. two eighty was like the best for that. And real quick on Stanton, I don't know who tweeted it out on. I believe it was Sunday that you know last last year at that time and this year he's he has one home run less. So I really wouldn't worry about Giancarlo Stanton, another guy on a new team. He's also in a new league. But once he gets it going, watch out. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I saw that tweet too, by the way, so I was thinking of that. Uh, now, I, I saw a really interesting stat on Evan Gaddis when I was doing my research for this piece. Uh, that really surprised me because, of course, Gaddis, particularly before Saturday, uh, he had just one home run, uh, really disappointing pretty much all the way around. And then he hit a home run on Saturday, another one on Sunday. I think he doubled last night. Uh, so maybe he's coming around. But... Even so, he leads the major leagues in pull rate on fly balls. That's not something you would associate with somebody who's got three homers one quarter of the way through the season. Uh, but uh, so, I mean, do you, do you find uh, the trends encouraging for Gaddis that he is hit with a little bit more power the last few days, that he is at least doing something that would, you think, lead to more power by being an extreme pull hitter? Yeah, I mean, that is positive. My problem with Gaddis and the reason I didn't take him anywhere was how many at-bats is he going to get? I mean, it has worked out for him where he's been able to get the at-bats the last couple of seasons, but now you got you got McCann who's going to get the majority. You got Max Stasi who's hitting like 300. I think he's got double-digit RBIs. You, they want to rotate maybe a DH. So it makes it harder playing time for him. He really needs to seize the opportunity. If given the at-bats, 
yeah, I think all the positive signs that you're indicating and stuff, you can see the turnaround. You see what he did in a couple of games this weekend. So it's just about at bats for me. Well, yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that was something I addressed in the article, but I did in sort of a, a, an optimistic way that he started. And I, I don't remember what the exact number was, but it was a, I want to say maybe about three out of every three, three out of every four games in that neighborhood. Uh, and given that you're, if you're playing him in fantasy, you're almost certainly using him as a catcher, even though he hasn't caught this year. Um, so that's 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 a, a good amount of playing time. But I think he's also gotten a bit lucky with that. That you know, you had Guriel, Guriel out early. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had a span where Derek Fisher was hardly playing at all, and Fisher is starting to play again. And I just think that this perfect storm, where there always seemed to be one person out, that eventually that's going to you know that's going to end and it's going to cut into Gaddis's playing time. Yeah, so I, 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 I agree worry. with you. And I, yeah, I, I worry. The one thing you have to be worried is if, say, at the All-Star break, they, uh, Kyle Tucker's raking in the minors and they decide to bring him up, I think that's the death nail for Gaddis. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that, unless he really turns it around in a big way. Uh, like I said before, I, I almost didn't put Paul Young in this one because to me it seemed a little much of a stretch to call him a bust. But I got a little bit of validation this morning because uh, I, I tweeted out this column. I got a little bit of feedback. And one person uh, in the comments said they were glad that I published this piece because they were on the verge of, of shopping DeYoung around. And that now they want to keep him because I took a very optimistic spin on him. Uh, so apparently there are, at least there's one frustrated DeYoung owner out there. Uh, but he's not cracking the top 15 at shortstop, uh, I was surprised to find, Matt, that he's actually, uh, even though the stats aren't that different this year from last year, he's a totally different hitter. He's dropped his swing rate by 10 percentage points. Uh, and he's also uh, using, uh, well, I don't know if he's using more of the whole field, but he is spraying the ball a bit more in terms of launch angle. So uh, are, are you encouraged? Would you try to go uh, see if you can get uh, DeYoung at a, uh, at a discount? Uh, I would go get him if I need power. That's, to me, that's what he offers you. I'm not, the 260 today isn't bad. So if he was to bat, say, 260 rest of the season and hit the home runs, that I'm fine with. I mean, the walk rate is almost doubled. I mean, it's only it's a smaller sample. But that's got to be encouraging. He's a guy that's going to strike out in the high 20s to 30% of the time. But he's going to hit a ton of fly balls, and when he does hit the ball, he does hit it really hard. Uh, absolutely. So uh, you know, my, you know, I think in terms of all those bust picks, that's the one that I, I'm feeling least certain about this point. I think he actually could have a very good year, even though, like I said, he's not returning uh, draft value as of yet. I think that could definitely change given how he's profiling. Um, now, I want to talk about sleepers. We don't really have a whole lot of time left in this segment. Uh, I could just summarize it by saying that my sleepers list is pretty lame. I've <laughs> uh, got a couple of pictures if you want. I could do that. If- yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, so far I've just been throwing out my picks. Who are some players uh, that uh, are impressing you differently now than, you know, during uh, draft, uh, draft season? Well, I mean, as far as sleepers go, since we haven't touched on that, it's uh, the guys that I consider like round 20 and on, like the Sean Newcombs, the Fulton Neviches. Those guys have been really good. Kyle, uh, Kyle uh, oh, what's his name? Tyler Skaggs, almost called him Kyle Skaggs. <laughs> Tyler Skaggs. I mean, those are three guys that are really doing some nice things here that, you know, fortunately, like I was, I'll, I'll give a bust to date. He has improved the last three starts. But like a Louis Castillo, who I have a lot of, he's been a bust. Last three starts, 22 strikeouts and two walks. He's pitched much better. But you need other guys like your sleepers we're talking about to step up when guys like that don't perform. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, absolutely true. Uh, that's you know big key to uh, to fantasy success. Um, well, yeah, you know Castillo. I mean, I, I would. Uh, I think it's a little premature. To slap a bus label on him, I'm really. I'm not saying that's what no, you're no, doing, I agree, but, but it's been subpar to date. <laughs> so, to to date, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, we got ahead in the break, and uh, we have a whole bunch of performances that were quite good uh, yesterday, pitching and hitting. So, uh, and I've got uh, a take on Ozzy Albies that may not be so popular. So, 
You'll hear that when we come back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and it is also Tuesdays with Modica. So Matt Modica's here. We're going to take a look at the standout performances from Monday in just a moment. I also have a uh, little bit of a Padres update to share with you. And uh, also uh, just going to share this word with you about the fan-controlled football league. If you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. The fan-controlled football league is bringing fantasy sports and Madden franchise mode to a real football field. Fans will scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, and more. The FCFL will feature eight professional teams playing seven-on-seven, fast-paced indoor football in a high-tech production studio built for a digital audience. This is the next generation of fantasy football where fans get rewarded for dominating through the league's proprietary fan token. So to learn more about the fan token and the FCFL, visit fcfl.io. Alrighty, uh, that Padres update uh, earlier in the show when I was talking about Joey Lucchese uh, going on the DL and I was really just speculating maybe he just missed one start. That, in fact, is a possibility. Uh, and in terms of a uh, replacement for that one start, again, this is it's a possibility. It's not a given. But according to the San Diego U- Union Tribune, uh, they could move Jordan Lyles up. He's scheduled to start on Monday. He could take Lucchese's start on Sunday. Or uh, they could plug in Brian Mitchell or, or Robbie Erlin or possibly uh, Walter Lockett and Luis Perdomo, uh, who are in the minors. Uh, so there's a lot of options there. But uh, in any event, uh, some potentially good news that Lucchese might only just miss the one start. And also, uh, the Padres have reversed the optioning of Carlos Asuaje. He was sent down to make room for Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, so he actually never left San Diego and is being brought back to take Lucchese's spot on the 25-man roster. All righty. Uh, so, uh, Andrew Haney, Matt. Wow. Yeah, he hit awesome. the Astros. <laughs> yeah. Eight innings, one run on four hits and a walk, 10 Ks. Uh, I really, I, I've taken a couple of looks at him in leagues where he was available and just thought better of it. I, I guess I was wrong. What was, uh, what were your expectations for Haney going into the, into that start? Uh, going into the year, I wasn't. I wasn't sure he could stay healthy, but that you could pretty much say about any of the Angels uh, yeah. pitchers. I mean, it's unfortunate. And he had those two bad starts uh, to kick off the season, but since then he's pitched lights out. Uh, you know, I think he's faced the Yankees, the Orioles, at Colorado, and Houston last night. And I did get to watch most of this game. He was in control. It was eight innings. I think maybe he hit 100 pitches. He might have finished with like 99, something like that. But it was a really, really good performance. Uh, I think if you did get him off waivers for either really cheap or in your league, just get the waiver wire run, you know, good job by you. There's a lot of things. I, I, I had to be encouraged from what I've seen. Over his last four starts, 25 innings, 27% strikeout percentage, 6% walks, 180 ERA, and a one whip. That's pretty good. And when you consider who he played against and where, that's even better. Yeah. No, there's not much to to dislike there. And when I did pass him over, I mean, I looked at the BABIP, which is still high. Uh, but I kind of I bought into it. And, uh, you know, this is a case where sometimes too much data is a problem and you, you see conflicting <laughs> measures, you know, and I saw the fact that, okay, uh, hitters are, are using the whole field against him and uh, he's got a high bat up on the fly ball. So maybe he's, you know, falling into the, the category, you know, what I call you know, the Robbie Ray club of, you know, 
uh, getting strikeouts, but you know, in between, getting giving up some hard contact. But you know, if you look at exit velocity, it tells you a totally different story that he's not getting hit hard when there's contact. So I, I just, yeah, I, I think yeah, that if he's a, he's available, you got to get him. Here's a couple of really encouraging signs. He has a 3.30 BABIP and a 66% left on base. You know, any improvements on those? I look. I don't think he's going to be a stud or anything like that, but I think he can be an effective pitcher. You know, in a 12-team league, he can be somebody in the back of your rotation or a streamer type. 15-team league, right now, he's somebody you definitely want on your team. Yeah. I certainly do. <laughs> I hope I can find a league where I can still get him. Uh, now let's talk about Patrick Corbin because this is the start by start uh, drama uh, that uh, you know we've got. We've got to relive every five days here. Uh, I I was encouraged. It was not a quality start for Corbin. Gave up four runs in six innings, but you've got the nice strikeout to walk ratio. Eight Ks, one walk, six hits allowed, and you know the key thing that just about everybody's watching is the velocity. And it re- rebounded somewhat. Was up about uh, a mile an hour over his last couple of starts. I'll I'll take all of the I'll take that package happily. Hey, look, where you were able to get Patrick Corbin this year, this has been like hitting a lottery ticket up to this date. Uh, what what I was looking at yesterday prior to the start, and what was kind of telling to me was the fastball versus slider usage. And he was throwing the fastball less than 50% for the most part uh, in the previ- in the first, like, six starts or so. Right. And the slider percentage was, like, high 30s, around almost 40%. Two out of the last three starts, you know, that wasn't the case before last night. The fastball was almost 60%, and the slider was 30. The fastball velocity was, like, 89 miles an hour. I know last night it was just above 90 from what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I heard in some places he was touching 92. So as long as there's not an injury, you, you know, you just got to pu- pu- uh, push ahead. I watched very little of that game, but did he leave? It was like a 4-2 game or something. It was like 2-2. And then they, was that inherited runners scored on him? Uh, I don't think so, but I'll be honest and say I, do, I don't really know because, yeah, I was focused. I was watching uh, FranFest, uh, San Diego, and, and Colorado. So <laughs> I was neglecting that one, uh, you know, catching up, you know, in between innings uh, on, on social media and stuff. Oh, so. we, we, got an, we got an update here in uh, San Diego. Eric Hosmer hit a two-run home. Yeah, well, you can't spell uh, homers without Hosmer. So <laughs> there you go, He's pr- proving it yet again. Uh, it, it, two- it, it is kind of amazing, though, isn't it? Al? Every year we everybody talks about that ground ball percentage, and the the rule of thumb I use in today's baseball is anyone can hit twenty home runs. You, once Elvis Andrews hit twenty homers, I was like, anybody else can do it. I don't care how many ground balls you hit. Uh, well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, again, I, I take a little exception because I, you know, I think Elvis Andrews made some real strides in his power, but the, the general point is certainly well taken, and it, it's it's hard. I remember having this conversation. I think I had this conversation, in fact, with you more than you know, at least once. Uh, that it's it's a little bit hard to separate the the flukes from the legit power surgers in this environment. And, where and don't get me wrong. I up. think Elvis Andrews is a good player. I'm not trying to rag on him. I don't think he's a 20 home run hitter, but I think a lot of this is, is product of the ball. We have a lot of smaller ballparks and all this. And you know, the whole, everybody's getting home runs now. Yeah. Well, and um, something that I noticed yesterday and actually sent out a tweet about it was that, you know, looking at player stats and doing my research, I'm seeing a lot of hard contact rates in the 40s and even the 50s, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's not being counterbalanced. You could say, well, maybe, you know, small sample artifacts, uh, you know, even still a quarter of the way through the season. But I'm not seeing those, you know, 40, 45, 50 percent being counterbalanced by 20 percent uh, or 15 percent. So I looked it up. And in fact, the hard hit rate on average in, in Major League Baseball so far this year is up, I think it's three full points, which is a, a pretty big wow. jump. That is a big uh, jump. That, now, that could be, and I actually suspect it might be uh, maybe a, a change in the measuring than the actual quality of contact. Um, but, 
you know, it could maybe it maybe it is just that everybody's powering up. Uh, that maybe but, that's something that that deserves a closer look. Wouldn't you say too that pretty much everybody now is starting to sell out for power, and with this. Everybody throwing 97, 98, you know, and even starters more than 94 and 95. That with the selling out for power and, you know, you make contact on it and you throw in 98, 99. Uh, I mean, it could be, you know, and probably part of the, the research that needs to be done now is you not just look at the hard contact rate, which again could just be how it's being measured, but yeah, see what the pull, the difference in the pull rate is and the fly ball rate. I uh, haven't looked at that and I wouldn't be shocked to see those going up su- substantially because it does seem like every player I look at their profile, occasionally you see somebody going the other way, but it seems like nine times out of 10, it's, Oh, they're hitting fly balls 5%, 10% more than they did last year. <laughs> they're pulling the ball 5% more than they did last year. It seems like I'm seeing that more than the opposite. No, that's, I think that's the de- definitely true today. I, I think that's well, a fact. I'm going to have to test that out. Some some good research questions. Uh, well, before we we will talk about some of the hitting performances, uh, some real interesting pitching matchups, and a couple of guys that we've talked about the season before, Matt. I've also seen you tweeting about Sean Manaya. Um, Eh, not not a great start against the Red Sox. Uh, four runs in six innings. I guess we can call that the Corbin now. Uh, four Ks, <laughs> one walk. Uh, seems like he never walks more than one batter, Sean Manaya. Uh, but he has now three starts in a row where he's allowed exactly four runs. Well, there was one unearned run, but I think the general trend is, you know, kind of quality startish at best lately. Well, what I would say is before the season – I viewed Minata as like a 370 to 390 pitcher for an ERA for, for this year. You know, maybe he could hit 350 or, or break that if everything breaks perfect. And I still like him, but you got to have realistic. He had a bad of 150, uh, you know, a left on base percentage of 98. So over the last few starts, it's now bad of 300. The left on base is at like 60%. This was going to happen. It doesn't mean he's a bad pitcher. The one yep. thing I would say is his elite control. Maybe he needs to walk a guy or two and get guys to chase a little more. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, he, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he gets a lot of swings, but I, I don't recall him having a, a real big chase rate. So, um, although it must be at least decent to be walking as few batters as he's walking. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no point well taken. Uh, not really helping much with strikeouts, but nonetheless, a good, uh, you know, efficient pitcher with, with, you know, good enough results to, you know, at least be an option for you to start. Uh, Rick Porcello was on the other end, uh, six innings, five runs for him, nine hits, no walks for Porcello. I mean, he's also been uh, very, very stingy with walks this year. Five strikeouts. Uh, but now he's got back-to-back starts with five runs allowed. So he and Minaya consistent lately, but not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, I mean, there was going to be some pullback for Priscilla as well. The thing that I noticed, uh, the thing that pops off the page to me with Priscilla, so far the first season he's throwing less than 50% fastballs and more than 20% sliders. So he's making some adjustments in his usage and how he's going about it. I mean, that is the trend. Throwing less fastballs in uh, Major League Baseball, using your you know secondary pitches, your breaking balls, and stuff like that. So, here's another guy: Purcello, Purcello, Manaya, Corbin. Where you got these guys? It's such a value. Right. Well, I'm gonna toss in another name here. Uh, we had a good uh, pitchers duel with um, Wade LeBlanc, who I just narrowly escaped calling Matt LeBlanc, uh, <laughs> and Jake Odorizzi, uh, six scoreless innings for both of them. Uh, but LeBlanc is sort of uh, fitting that Porcello Mania profile of throwing strikes, not walking anybody. Uh, I think he's got a very high chase rate, which is helping to minimize that walk, but not going to be a guy that's going to help you with strikeouts. He's been around long enough that uh, you, know, you shouldn't really be looking for that. But is is he uh, is he uh, worth more of a look now? I mean, in a deeper league, you're always going to take looks. But I feel like we see this like once a year from uh, LeBlanc. He'll come up. Some team will take a chance on him, call him up, 
He'll have a good start or two, and then he'll be Wade LeBlanc. Yeah, he, he always is Wade LeBlanc, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, this seems a little better and maybe a little more sustained. But I know exactly what you're talking about because it, it does seem like he's he has teased us before. Uh, let's let's move on to some hitters. Uh, of course, I've, I've talked uh, already quite a bit about the debut of Fran Moraes, uh, and of course, I just like the fact that you got Franchi and Fran Mill uh, batting back to back in the uh, Padres lineup. And the debut uh, for Fran Mill last night, both went over four, both had two strikeouts uh, against the Rockies. Uh, Tyler Anderson, not really a great-looking line, but he really was uh, spotting his pitch as well for the most part. So uh, that uh, made it for a long night for uh, both uh, Reyes and Cordero. But uh, Ozzy Albies uh, certainly had one of the bigger performances. Three for five, hit his 13th home run, which, by the way, came off of Jose Quintana. Uh, But he's got very lopsided splits, and I have to admit, I didn't realize this, Matt. Against righties, he's hitting 220. He's got a 275 OBP. Now, he does have a 480 slugging, so that ISO is very, very high for Albies. But is there any way you consider either sitting Albies occasionally, maybe against a tough righty, or maybe even trading him for a more balanced player? Look, I don't have any Albies, so I was wrong on that. But I, I can't sit him. I mean, would I entertain trading him? If, I, if I'm going to get this huge hole back from him, I don't want, like, three players for one. I want, like, two, uh, like, a really good player and a good pitcher. Like, if I do mm-hmm. something like that, that's a, po- that's a possibility. But uh, it's tough to move him right now. But rest of the season, you have to ask yourself, what is he going to do? At some point, he has to slow down unless he's Mike Trout. Yeah, you know, I think so. Uh and, and frankly, if it, if he, even if he doesn't, I think he does pose something of a conundrum. Much of the way that, by the way, Lorenzo Cain does. Obviously, Cain doesn't have this kind of power. But he has these crazy lopsided splits. And the overall stats look great. But it's like, against righties, do I really need to start Lorenzo Cain? So, I don't know, just food for thought there. Uh, we point, do have a, but I don't think yeah. you can do it. <laughs> Probably not. And, and the power's there no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, Nico Goodrum had the one multi-homer performance uh, last night, two homers against uh, the Indians. Level of interest there. Uh, in a deeper league, I mean, right now, second baseman, uh, I, I lost Cano in one league. I had Cano and DJ LeMayu. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to be thankful I picked up Colton Wong this week for a couple of dollars. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're going to need some middle infielders. He's got some speed if he plays. You can get some stolen bases. Yeah, that's the thing I like about him is that, that potential for at least moderate power and speed. Um, Matt Olson maybe breaking out a little bit, two for four with his fifth homer against uh, the Red Sox. Uh, so let's wrap up here with Olsen. Uh, uh, do you just keep trotting him out there? Uh, I mean, pretty much. I think he, he's your power guy. you got to roll with him. <laughs> All right. I agree there, Matt. So uh, we can end on that nice, uh, warm, fuzzy note. So, uh, well, Matt, thank you again. Sorry about the difficulties early in the show, but uh, uh, fun chat no baseball problem. with you thank for you, Al. the rest of it. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow uh, with Daily Roto DFS segment. So be here for that. Have a great day, everybody. Have a good one.